It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. I'm delighted to welcome Gloria Day, Las Vegas's first performing magician, who recently celebrated her 100th birthday. For more information on Gloria, go to Connie Boyd's YouTube page, Magical Women with Connie Boyd. Gloria, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So you have quite the career. It's not just magic. It's movies, Hollywood, all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. I've had fun all my life. <laughs> what was your first memory of Las Vegas? I don't have a first, well, I don't have a really first memory, but I know it was good because I couldn't <laughs> stay away. <laughs> when you started in Las Vegas, you started with two shows a night, is that correct? Three. You started with three. Okay. I thought it was two, so I'm wrong, and you're right, because you know you were there. <laughs> I'm afraid I was. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I got sick of uh, setting up so many times that uh, the second show I decided to dance instead, make it easy on myself. Did it work? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Your father was a magician. Yes. Tell us a little the bit great, about him. great Leo. He was called the great Leo. Yes. Leo Metzner. Ah, yes. And he taught you how to do some magic when you were just a child. Yeah, I was a pro at five. Wow. When did you turn pro as far as Las Vegas? Do you remember the year? I think it was 40 or 41. And it was just a small town in those days. Oh, yeah. It must have been different because not only was magic new to the area, but female magicians were new in that world as well, weren't they? Yeah. I uh, remember the uh, the stage. And if you're on stage, you look straight ahead, and it was uh, the outside was wall to wall glass, and the other side of that was the swimming pool. So that was nice. Yes. What was your favorite illusion? Billiard balls. So what did you do with those billiard balls? Were you in a pool hall, or were you actually on stage with them? On stage? Are you kidding? <laughs> between the between the fingers. I can't even do marbles like that. How do you do a billiard balls? <laughs> well, they weren't quite as big as the ones that they use on the table. Okay, they, so they were a smaller version. I got you. Yeah. When you started your magic career, did you work alone or did you have an assistant? Because so many magicians, it's funny because male magicians generally have a female assistant. I don't know if you worked alone or you had a male assistant. Neither. I worked alone, yes. But when I worked with my father, we weren't assist. Each one of us did the magic. Right. We, we weren't assisted to each other, though. Tell us a little bit about your childhood, growing up with a magical father. How did that affect you? Well, it was my life. But did it seem normal to you at the time, or was it just that you knew that there was something special about your dad? Well, of course, I always everyone always thinks their dad's special, but but um, he just thought 
teaching a kid magic ought to be pretty cute, so he did. Did you share any of these magic tricks with your friends? Share them? Sure. You mean tell them what it is? Exactly, exactly. Never. Good for you. You know the old saying, a good magician never repeats and never tells anyone. That's it. That's the two rules of magic that I learned as well. Yes. Oh, and what type of magic do you do? Very bad magic. Oh, come on. What tricks? Okay, the only one I do, I do two tricks and you'll know them, but I do them badly because I don't practice and rehearse as much as I should. One is the French drop. Yeah. And the other one is the invisible deck, which I just love. But I, I, for some reason, the decks of cards they make these days are not as, let us say, agile or slick as the older ones were. So I have to work on them to make that seem seamless. You use the, try using the bridge size. Ah, okay. Very good. Thank you for the advice. So those are the, those are That's the two. Problem. Yeah, those are the two that I, I do. French drop, which I can do a reasonable. Lance Burton once said I did it adequately, I think is how he phrased <laughs> it. <laughs> he was being kind. And of course, I don't do it professionally. I just do it for, for friends. And then once I do it for them, they, they don't become friends anymore. They go, oh, you're awful. And they leave. Oh, come on. All right. I made that up. I guess you did. <laughs> so when you were growing up and then you became an adult and started performing magic, you obviously had a chance to meet fellow magicians wherever you worked. Were there particular magicians that stood out for you in your memory then and then some of the magicians you know now? Uh, well, the one that started me was called Bridge Stantine. And his name was, his last name was Button, really. Went under, but he went under Bridge Stantine. He started me, then my dad me everything. But as you performed around, did you meet other magicians and you did you trade stories and illusions as well since they were magicians? Or did you basically hang out with non-magicians as you were in your career? Uh, non-magicians. I, I, I wasn't that much aware. Just did my little thing, you know? Makes sense. Now, if I'm correct, and so far I've been incorrect on one of the things when I thought you did it twice a night, you did it three times a night, but yes. correct me if I'm right on this, or correct me if I'm wrong on that, I should say. You were 19, you began performing at the El Rancho Vegas' Roundup Room. Correct. Okay. Oh, and, you mean my age? Yes. I don't think I was that old. Okay. So that, that's what information I got. So evidently, whoever wrote this is incorrect. So that's okay. I'm going to cheat well, and say you were, you were eight years old when you first began performing at the El Rancho. At, the, at eight years old? Yeah, I'm, I'm making you younger when you started than you actually were. I just decided yeah. to do that, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can do it, Gloria. I mean, why not? So <laughs> well, let's be accurate if we can. <laughs> yes. Okay. How old do you think you were when you actually were performing at the El Rancho? Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know, around probably 17. All right. Not only did you do the billiard ball trick, but you also did the floating ball trick as well. Correct. And was the floating ball in its natural state did you ever give it to the audience to see that it was heavy, or did you just make it float? 
When you started at the El Rancho, were those in the days when they actually had dinner shows, or is that before even the introduction of dinner shows? No, trying to think. I, I really don't remember whether they served dinner at the show. No, I think they served dinner before the show, and uh, the tables were all cleared by the time the show went on. Right, but that's what they call a dinner show, where you have dinner in the showroom, and then they would clear it away, and then the show would begin with, in this case, you. And so you also performed the rumba. Yes. Was that part of the well, act, or was that separate? No, well, I what I did was I start, started out by uh, the rumba with a real, you know, long skirt, and then I turned and uh, I would unzip it so that I could use it for a uh, cape. I would use the cape to uh, wave, you know, to uh, to do different things. I would use it as a, the the cape in one hand to uh, move it, you know, like you, you use the cape to twirl. Yes, and to emphasize your, your movements, I would think. Yeah. Okay. And then and then just pull a uh, bouquet of flowers out of it, and then they'd go on with the magic. You were so young when you first started out. Do you have any memories of some of the other entertainers that were around at that time on the strip, the so-called strip at that point? Vaguely. Oh, uh, Guy Rennie was the MC. Mm-hmm. How, um, how often were you working there? Were you working there every night, or how did that work, yeah, or, or just on the yeah, weekends? Yeah, every, every night. Every night. Did they give you a, a, did they give you a night off? Uh, no, you just worked straight through. No. You worked every night until you were through with your gig. You know, there's magic in Las Vegas, but even more importantly, there's gambling in Las Vegas. Did you ever gamble here? Yes, I did. The first time I came here, uh, I had a whole quarter. (laughs) And uh, I put it down on a number, but I I, I sort of fumbled it in my hand while uh, the uh, roulette wheel was spinning. So when I put the, I finally put the quarter down and then it stopped. But he, he pulled the quarter and it never. Oh, I won! It came out the number. And he just pushed the ball so that, that it moved, ah. and uh, that's it. So you he, didn't. He would. You didn't collect. You didn't collect. Eat, no. Ah. No, nope, it wouldn't pay off. So that's they, that means you swore off gambling after that. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, you didn't just have a career in Las Vegas. You had a career in Hollywood as well. How did you get into the movie business? You you want the truth? Yes, absolutely. Oh, well, okay. Uh, we knew a ma- makeup man really well. My parents rented a room for him, and so he... Uh, Got he got me uh, in, and what under so I could get a Screen Actors Guild card. Yes. So the only way I could do that was to work to one day and give my my money back back kickback. 
Ah, and, okay. Yeah, and uh, that's it. Well, you got in. I sure did. <laughs> so yeah, you were in a movie with Buster Crab. Yeah. What was he like to work with? Did you get a chance to interact with him at all off screen? No, no, never did. Uh, no, we just did our jobs. And that right. Was it. What was your favorite movie part? Uh, a thing called The Ring. It was a part, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rita Moreno. You had to say Rita Moreno and then you say The Ring. But if you just said the ring, you never it won't come up. <laughs> gotcha. Well, whether it does or not, that's the way it is. Yeah, exactly. How did you decide to divide your time between Hollywood and Las Vegas? In other words, you were in Las Vegas, and then you went to Hollywood. And then did you come back to Las Vegas after Hollywood again? Well, I lived in Hollywood when I was going to school and uh, high school and uh, doing magic. Like <laughs> I quit high school to work to dance at Earl Carroll's Review. That was a, a gir girly show that is with the chorus girls. Mm -hmm. I was a chorus girl. And, uh, yeah, they used to say, eat at the theater that was in lights. And Beryl Wallace, was. they had her picture in neon in front. And they used to say, through these portals, past the most beautiful girls of the world. Of course, we used to giggle over that. So you came back to Las Vegas at some point and... Yeah you had this background of both being in Hollywood and in Las Vegas. And so you had acting and you had magic and you had other careers as well. Were you surprised that you were honored? Now you're a hundred years old and yeah. you're the first Las Vegas magician. So was it a surprise when they honored you and you had famous magicians there at the ceremony? Oh yeah. It was a wonderful time, wonderful day. I couldn't believe it. What was your favorite part of it? Was it when you got the key to the strip? No, all of it. That's very encompassing. Well, yeah, because every bit of it was wonderful and surprising and, and appreciated it very much. What do you think the future of magic is? Since you've had your experience with magic, you've seen all these magicians that have performed in Las Vegas and in other venues as well. And clearly, Many of them have had long careers in magic in Las Vegas. I'm thinking of Lance Burton as one of them. But right. How do you view the future of magic from your perspective? Do you think it will always prosper here? Oh, of course. It's a, you know, singing and dancing is so popular, and they, everyone has it. You need some variety. And magic is certainly a variety. I should mention that the event we were talking about was also attended by David Copperfield and Teller of Penn & Teller as well. Yes. Did they try yeah. to show you any of their magic while they were attending, or did you show oh, them yeah. any of yours? Yeah, Teller did. Yeah, he did twice. He did. Uh, and uh, David Copperfield, uh, I sit next to him, or he sat next to me all the time for my birthday party.
Well, David Copperfield was quoted as saying, there's more magic now than ever before, and glory, in a way, opened that door. When you oh, st- that, so nice of him. Very nice. And so when you started in magic in Las Vegas, did you ever think that there would be that amount of magic here at this point in the 21st century? Well, sure. There's the singers and the dancers, and they need a variety. Right. You mentioned that earlier, but I mean, what, do you think that... I always thought, here's my thought on magic. I always thought that magic would be part of Las Vegas and is part of Las Vegas and will be part of Las Vegas. But the amount of magic always ebbs and flows depending on factors that I have no idea about. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, It's becoming more popular than ever now. What's your favorite type of magic? And it may not be the magic you perform, but is it close-up grand illusions? mind reading, whatever it happens to be? Or is it just my performance that really helps you? Uh, I, li- I like the billiard balls. I like that the best. <laughs> because that's what you performed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I like that's that. Why I, that's why I performed it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, let me rephrase the question. Uh, okay. what, what's, your, what's the second best magic that you like besides billiard balls that you see others perform that you really appreciate? Anything they do, I appreciate. It, it takes talent to do. Anything that's sleight of hand, I really appreciate, because it takes practice and, and a little talent. <laughs> I'm going to have to visit you and do my French drop, and you can give me pointers. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I get criticized all the time because I just, as much as I work with it, I'm just not as good as uh, professional magicians, but I keep doing it. Because it's fun. Well, it's enjoyable. Maybe I, maybe I can show you how to hold your hands or something. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. The, You're thinking right. Good. All right. No, I like that. Have you ever read a magic book? Uh, yeah. I, I was given, well, by, by a magic book, you mean on how to do things? Yes, or? exactly. Just for your own information or even a biography of a famous magician. Have you read those oh, as well? Well, well a Tarbell course is what uh, I had the whole complete Tarbell course. I haven't read it all, but it's the Bible. Are you surprised at how much attention you've attracted, especially from some of the female magicians in town? Jen Kramer is one, Connie Boyd is another. Oh, they're wonderful. Both personality and talent. They're lovely, lovely ladies. Do they ask you for tips? Uh, not really. I don't think they did. But they've they've developed their own style, but I thought I thought they might learn from you, though. Well, we prayed things a little bit. Ah, know. okay. There we go. Yeah. Do you think magic can get too sophisticated for people these days, compared no. to? Oh, okay. <laughs> Because sometimes magic can be very simple, and other times it can be very sophisticated. And then you go from, as you mentioned, one of your favorites, sleight of hand, to some yeah. grand illusion on stage. So sometimes the grand wow. illusion on stage requires a lot of equipment, personnel. And, and, and no talent. <laughs> but, but, but usually usually, the person that does the grand illusions on stage is talented too. They do slide ahead. Right. That's but true. Their act, getting their act together, 
is pleases the audience the way they do it. Well, yes, there's there's several great magicians that re- re- rely on grand. And David Copperfield comes to mind, who has these grand illusions, but he's a, oh, he's, he's a very talented. He, he's magnificent and talented, and he does sleight of hand beautifully. Also, he does everything. Do you think that a magician does that come hand in hand? And what I mean by that hand in hand does a magician who maybe specializes in sleight of hand still knows how to do some of these bigger illusions and vice versa. So that way they're, they may not perform at all, but they're aware of the techniques and... Of course. Okay. How much of magic is psychology? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Okay. That's, a, that's an honest answer. I just think it, some of it is is misdirection. So to me, that's psychology. Oh, that, yes, yes. That's, that's, it, that is the... Uh... The Bible's word for it is misdirection. Can you recall the funniest thing that happened to you on stage anywhere? It doesn't have to be in Las Vegas. When you were performing magic, was there one thing that happened that you always remember because it was so funny or unusual? Um, no, <laughs> sorry. Well, how about something, for example, you had your props ready to go and some stagehand misplaced them and all of a sudden you don't have what you need? Yeah. Has that happened? When I was in San Diego, um, I had to set my stuff up on a landing, like, and the people would go, the fellows would go back and forth, and and uh, one of them wanted to be cute and took some of my stuff. So what do you do in that case? Worry and two nails up to your elbows. <laughs> And he brought it, he he returned them <laughs> just in time, in right? The nick of time. <laughs> but you're a pro, so you figured something was going to appear. Otherwise, you may have to may have to ad lib and just do something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, at least something out. Try to put something in. Are you more comfortable with big audiences or relatively small audiences? Either one. So there's no difference from your point of view. You're okay interacting with a, a large crowd or a relatively small crowd. Yeah, like my uh, dad used to tell me, even if there's only one person in the audience, they paid, you give them a performance. Yeah, that's the creed. That's the credo. Mm-hmm. That's the rule. I mean, you just, they pay their money. And even if there's a small crowd, you got to do what you got to do and make it entertaining. And Absolutely. And, have you ever thought about writing your autobiography? Well, I could. Oh, I I wouldn't mind if somebody wanted to uh, take it down, but I mean, I don't think I I wouldn't do it. No, I understand it's a lot of work, but I just think it's interesting for people to write their memoirs or or an autobiography, and sometimes they do. They write it with a a, a person who can ghostwrite or at least help them put it all down on paper, maybe doing oral history and. Yeah, and put that, it that way. That, yeah. the, the oral history would be easy for me, yeah. What's the most surprising change for you about Las Vegas? Um, either nothing or everything. <laughs> I love the place. <laughs> Are you, because you've come from a perspective of when it all began, in a way, modern Las Vegas, yeah. you, you, there's such a large increase in population, housing, traffic. 
all of that stuff. Does that affect you in any way? No, I like it. That's all. When I was here the first time, there was Rudy Valley was over at the frontier. You know who he is? I do. Well, okay. And that's all it was, was the El Rancho and the, the last frontier, where the Silver Slipper was part of it. Now, did you ever get a chance to socialize with Rudy Valley? No. Did he ever come over to see your show? I have no idea. I went yeah. to see his show, so I think he came over to see mine, but I never talked to him, so I don't know. A well-known crooner, Rudy Valley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With the megaphone. <laughs> Exactly. Well, before I let you go, what's your hope for magic and your hope for Las Vegas? For Las Vegas to be just as it is, it's wonderful. And for magic, of course, there's always magic and magicians, and they're better than ever. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest is Gloria Day, Las Vegas' first performing magician. She recently celebrated her 100th birthday. And for more information on Gloria, you can go to Connie Boyd's YouTube page, Magical Women with Connie Boyd. Gloria, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for letting me be on the show. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Not as much as mine. (laughs) See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world.